Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 105 of the Flying Free Podcast. It's just going to be me today, and we're going to talk about why does God allow injustice and oppression. So in face on Facebook this morning, I woke up and I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, and I saw a thread of comments from um, some women survivors who were in a lot of pain. And some of these survivors had been through some of the most horrific types of abuse. And um, even in trying to get away from their abusers, they had suffered in excruciating ways with the aftermath of even getting out. And so they were asking some questions, and they had been wrestling with some things, things that I've definitely wrestled with myself, and I think a lot of you will be able to relate to this. I'm going to read some of the comments. I don't think you'll be able to ever figure out who this is, because I read comments like this on a regular basis in social media. And so I think these comments are really representative of the questions that are going on. And if they're not going on in your conscious mind, where you've actually pulled them out and looked at them, I think for a lot of us, they're probably happening on a subconscious level. So here's some of these comments. Tell me if you can relate. Why does God continue to let so much injustice and oppression happen by the same people, even by the same righteous people, righteous being in quotes, without executing justice? To be silent in the face of oppression and injustice is still an action against those being oppressed. God is being complicit, and that doesn't go along with who he says he is. His inaction seems so far from the God I know. God just being with us is not enough. Another comment was, God cannot be all-powerful and all-love. So I choose to believe He is all-love and no longer expect Him to change anything in my life, but to always be there with me through it. Another comment, Abuse is abuse regardless of who does it. Position never ever justifies abuse. I'm with you on the whole, if he's there, why the hell isn't he doing anything? What good father would sit by his daughter while she's being assaulted and say, it's okay, baby, I'm right here, and not save her? It's gaslighting and coercion. Where is the God of the Bible who rescues and miraculous works are shown? The suffering seems endless and so very preventable and so very stoppable. Now, the Bible actually is chock full of stories of God's inaction. Did you know that? Where God just doesn't do anything. And if he does something, it's kind of half-assed and it's not really, you know, it's not doesn't really last very long as far as the great effects. And you don't really see paradise coming about in the Bible, right? I mean, look at the very beginning, how it even starts with the story of Adam and Eve. Satan tempts Adam and Eve And God just stands by and lets it happen. He lets the whole world go to hell in a handbasket right there in that one moment. He didn't jump in and control everybody. Another story, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. And then he gets betrayed by uh, his employer's wife. 
And then later, he gets betrayed in prison by a man who he helps with his dream. And what does God do this whole time? Just stands by and lets all these unjust things happen. He doesn't jump in to control Potiphar or control his wife or control his brothers and control his dad and all the people. Why not? He, it's totally preventable. He can totally stop all that stuff. I'm not, why doesn't he do that? The Israelites spent hundreds of years in slavery and God just stood by and let that happen. He never jumped in and controlled everybody. The Jewish people were waiting and waiting and endlessly waiting for the promised Messiah whom they believed would finally do what all the gods are supposed to do and step in and control everybody. He was going to step in and vanquish the Roman Empire and reign forever in control over everyone in the universe. But then what happens? Along comes this simple carpenter from Nazareth who says he's the Messiah. He fulfills all of the prophecies, but they don't recognize him because again, this God, this Jesus, doesn't step in and control one single person. He doesn't control the Pharisees. He doesn't control Judas. He doesn't control Peter. He doesn't control the rich young ruler. He doesn't control the prostitutes or the drunkards. He doesn't control anybody. He only, well, he does. He controls one person. He controls himself. He does what I believe God has always done. He maintains his personal power while teaching and modeling for others how to take their personal power and use it to change the world. You see, the God that we are actually looking for is the devil. We're looking, we want this God who's going to control everyone and everything, and we'd kind of like him to control things according to our manual. We only know that kind of power. We don't know any other kind of power. To us, that's what power is. That's what we've been born into. That's what we've grown up experiencing. And now we've been brainwashed to believe that that's what power is. But you see, God knows that that's the kind of power that destroys. It doesn't, that kind of power doesn't set anybody free. The power of God is superior in that it changes the world one person at a time. Now, I'm going to talk about this in terms of the model that I teach in my coaching practice and in the two programs that I run for Christian women. Um, one of my programs is called Flying Free, and it's for Christian women who are in emotionally or spiritually abusive relationships, or they're trying to get out of them. And then my other program which just started a couple weeks ago, is called Flying Higher. And that actually didn't just start a couple weeks ago, but it just opened to the public a couple weeks ago. Um, but that's called Flying Higher, and that's for Christian women who are divorced. So in those two programs, I teach this model. And, um, and what the model is, is that you can take any circumstance in life and you can run it through this model. The model does not solve problems. What it does is it reveals our brain's programming so that we can see how we think, how we've been programmed since we were children and how we think has a direct result on the, res on the results that we get in our lives. It creates our results. Because here's the thing, people think, we all think that it's the things that happen outside of us that create the results in our life. 
And this is this really puts us in a place of having no power. Because if the people around us and the circumstances that happen to us are what create results in our life, then we are without hope. We're, we're just at the whims and the power of everyone around us. So if we're around great people and we've got great circumstances and we've got the money that we need to do the things that we want to do, then we're going to have all kinds of great thoughts about that and we're going to have great feelings and then we're going to do great things and we're going to have great results, right? But what about all the people who don't have great things going on around them? What about people who've been kicked out of their churches or rejected by their parents or who've been rejected by their children, or who don't have enough money, or who are in debt. What about those people? What about minorities? What about women who are in abusive relationships? What about them? If their circumstances are the only thing that they that are their only you know that's their hope is what's happening around them you know what they're you know what they're going to have to do they're going to have to take power over their circumstances somehow that means they're going to have to control people and and that's basically what the enemy wants right that's the enemy's style of control that's the god of you know we could call it the god of darkness that's his style of control that's putting us victims in a place of needing to go that direction. And people do go that direction. Victims can go that direction if they think that that's how they can get their power back. But I want to introduce you to the model and show you that there are actually some several different options that you can go different routes you can go and then by the hopefully by the end of this podcast episode, you will be able to think through these things on your own and decide which one, which model you want to adopt for your life. That's what we get to do as adults. As kids, we get programmed with certain things, and we don't have a choice about what our brains are going to buy into and believe. But now that we're adults, we can actually look at the thoughts and the beliefs that we have, and we can decide if we want to keep those thoughts and beliefs, or if we want to change them and rewire them and pick different thoughts that might serve us and create better results for us. Okay, so I highly recommend, as I'm going through this, that you take some notes if you can. And if you're in your car or you're walking or you're doing something and you can't take notes, then just listen very carefully and you can always come back and listen to the replay, okay? And we'll put the, we'll put the, um, the transcript on the show notes page. This is episode 105, so you can find the show notes if you go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 105. Okay, so the model starts with the C line. That's your circumstance. And for all of these, I'm going to run you through five different models. And for all of these models, we're just going to have as the C line is going to be God. Okay, we're just going to put God in the C line. Now, the next line underneath is the T line, and that stands for our thought. Our thought about the C line. So our thought about that circumstance. All right. So our thought, there's five different thoughts that we can have. And that's why we're going to have five different models. And we're going to see what happens with each of these five thoughts, what the results are going to be. Now, God, the circumstance is going to stay the same in all of these models. So it's not the circumstance that's going to create the result in our lives. The only thing that's going to change is the thought that we have about the circumstance. 
So we're going to start with the thought, there is a God, he is loving, but he is not powerful. And that's what I heard in one of the comments that I just read um, earlier, is that someone said, I choose to believe that there is a God and he loves us. Um, but he really can't do much about what's going on in the world. And so therefore, all he promises is that he's, he's, he's going to be with us. All right. Now, underneath the thought is the feeling because thoughts are what create our feelings. Feelings are vibrations in our bodies. They are emotions that happen as a direct, as a, it's a direct, there's a chemical there. When our, when we have a thought in our brain, it creates a chemical reaction in our body that causes physical vibrations. That's why when you, you know, trip up the stairs, when you're going to go and give a speech, you're going to, your body might feel shaky, you might blush, and there's these physiological reactions in your body, and those are your emotions, okay? The feeling that you get when you have the thought, there is a God, he is loving, but not powerful, is, generally speaking, most people are going, if they're really going to go there and think about that, they're going to feel fear. Now, when you feel fear, you ask yourself, what do I do when I feel fear? And that takes you to the next line, which is action. Our feelings are what, why we do the things we do. We tend to do things that make us feel good, and we tend to avoid doing things that make us feel bad. That's why when we are, <clears throat> when we're um, feeling really good about ourselves, we will probably take better care of ourselves, our actions. We're going to show up for ourselves. We're going to um, get ourselves to places where, you know, we're going to set healthy boundaries for ourselves. That's what we're going to do when we're feeling good about ourselves and feeling confident. When we're feeling fear, our actions are going to be quite different. Usually when we're feeling fear, we the fear response, we either freeze or we run away, or we fight, or we might fawn. But basically, we let other people take power away from us when we're afraid. All right? And what is the result when we do things that allow other people to take power away from us? The result is that we are powerless. We care, but we're powerless. This is the vic this is uh, the result is victimhood. We are a victim. Now notice that our original thought is, or let's say that our belief is, there is a God. He's loving, but he's not powerful. The result in our life is going to ultimately be that we are also powerless, but we are loving and caring. So we're empathic. We care about other people a lot. We care and, uh, this and think about it. As survivors, as abuse survivors, we really, really care about the people that are abusing us. We really, really care about all of these people, but we give them all of the power. We are powerless. And it really is because at our core, we're believing in a God who is not powerful. He ultimately doesn't have power to change anything. All right, so that's one of the models. Now, the, other, the next model that we're going to go through has to do, so the circumstance is still God, but the thought is different. The thought this time is, there is a God, he is powerful, but he's not loving. 
So this would be a God, and this was also mentioned in the comments in the comments that I talked about in, from the Facebook thread. Some of the women believed this. They believed that there was a God, and he could do something about all of the bad things that are happening in the world, but he's not doing anything, and that makes him unloving. That actually makes him an abuser. All right? So, um, <clears throat> so in the first model, God is a victim, and in the second model... And then we become victims. And in the second model, God is an abuser. Now, this thought also creates the feeling of fear. And I want you to notice now both of these, well, actually, I'll, I'll, come, I'll come to that in just a minute. But so we've got this feeling of fear again. And this, this thought and this fear combination causes people to take the action of trying to take power away from other people. That's how we respond. In our fear, we try to take power away from other people. Some people do this. This is their response to the idea that God is... Now, think about it. In, like in the churches that I was part of, um, especially the one that excommunicated me, they definitely believed in a powerful God. They believed that God was sovereign over everything, that God controlled every minute detail of everybody's lives, that God controlled you know, our decisions, that, God, that everything was in God's control. But they really didn't believe he was loving. They really, what they believed really is what one of the commenters in the Facebook page said, he really got, that God really is abusive. He just, he know he could totally step in and do something, but he just chooses not to. He just watches and says, you know, honey, too bad. I'm very powerful, but I really don't care that all, all that much about you. And you're such a little dirty, rotten sinner. And if you do what I tell you to do and go through all of these hoops, then maybe I will deign to look upon you if I have chosen you. But if I haven't chosen you, then you can be a Christian wannabe, but you know, too bad for you. All right, that's an abuse of God. Then what we try to do and what we see people in churches like this doing is they try to take people power away from other people. So rather than empowering other people and giving people freedom, they take that power away and they tell people you have to obey this and you have to do this and you have to do this, 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 and this. And then if you do all these things, then we will love you and we will take care of you and we can be in fellowship with you. And so the result in their lives then with this, with this um, kind of belief system is that they are, that those people then are powerful but they are unloving. And this is the abuser model. All right, so now we've got the, the, <clears throat> the victim model and we've got the abuser model. Here's the third model. We've got the circumstance, which is God. The thought is there is a God, but he is not powerful and he is not loving. So this would be a God that would, you know, maybe set the world in motion and then just kind of walk away and just let it go because who cares? He doesn't really care about it. And he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't care enough to do anything about it anyways. This also creates a feeling of fear. So what I wanted to point out is that these first three models are all fear-based models. And the Bible talks about um, the, the fact that fear is the opposite of love. Fear is the antithesis of love. Perfect love is going to cast out fear. So wherever you see perfect love, you will not see these three models or the, these three belief systems in perfect love. You can say, I really love everybody. You can be in that first model and be like, well, I'm so loving, but I have no power. No, that's not perfect love. It might be a, it might be a, you know, a very small kind of love, but it's not a perfect, all-encompassing, powerful love. 
All right, so back to the third model. There is a God. He's not powerful or loving. We've got fear. So what do we do when we have this kind of fear? We do both try, trying to take power away from others as well as trying to give, as well as giving up our power. Now, this could be, um, yeah, I think I fell into this role several times where I tried to, what I was trying to do is manipulate my circumstances and change the people who were hurting me. I thought if I can just get them to change, then they, you know, then I, we can all be one happy family. But so in that respect, I was trying to take their power away from them. I was trying to control them, not let them have their own choices to be whoever they wanted to be. They could be assholes if they wanted to. Well, I said, no, you can't be an asshole. You have to be an amazing person and I'm going to show you how. And then once you do what I tell you to do, then you'll be nice. And then we can all be a happy family. Do you see this? So I'm still trying to take power away from them. But I was also giving up my power because basically I was saying that whatever they did and their behavior was going to dictate how I felt about myself. So if they looked at me and looked down on me and um, ab were abusive to me, then I was kind of turning around and abusing myself and going, yeah, come on, Natalie, why can't you get your life together? Why can't you be a better person for them? Why can't you make them happy? Why can't you be successful? Why can't you, why do you always fail everybody around you? And so there, so there you have it. The result is then that I was powerless and unloving. And I'm using myself as an example in here. I think I've had all of these beliefs at different times. All right, so I hope we can all be at least, you know, self-aware enough and honest enough to say, you know what, this is how, this is human nature. All right, this is, the result then is that you are both victim and abuser at the same time. Okay, now the fourth model is, you've got the circumstances God, and the thought in the fourth model is, there is no God. Now, there are a lot of people, I've talked to people who've said, you know, Christian, former Christians who have said, you know what, I don't even believe that there is a God anymore. He doesn't even exist. I'm just going to erase him from my belief system, which is totally fine. You can, you can do that. Whether or not people believe in a God has, doesn't affect the circumstance at all. We have to understand that what we believe is, our, is in our brain only. It's in our brain you can believe whatever you want to. Your circumstance, however, remains the same. That remains something outside of you. So your belief that there is no God is in your brain, just like your belief that there is a God and he's not powerful or loving, or your belief that there is a God, but he is powerful and not loving, or your belief that there is a God and he is loving, but not powerful. All of those thoughts are stories that you've decided to believe in your head because of your programming or for whatever reason that you've chosen to believe that. But the outside circumstance remains unchanged and it's outside of you, okay? Now the feeling, if you were to really go there, here's the thing, some people have said, well, I believe there is no God and I just have so much peace and I feel so amazing and I just love it. I've never had so much peace before in my life, there is no God. Then my challenge to them would be to say, then you really don't believe there is no God. Because, <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing, our brains, we can talk on a conscious level about what we believe and we can say, and people do this all the time, right? They'll say things all the time. We all do it because that this is human nature, that we don't really fundamentally believe because we don't really live our lives like that. For example, if we really believe, like all the people that believe in hell and that everyone is going, that all the people that don't, 
you know, pray a specific prayer are going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. They don't really believe that. They say they believe that, but they don't really believe that. Because if you really, really believe that, you would be in sheer terror for your neighbors and your relatives and your loved ones every minute of every single day. So on some level, you don't actually believe that. Your brain doesn't really buy into that. Okay, you believe it on an intellectual level, maybe a conscious level, but you don't actually believe that on a fundamental core level. So if you did believe, though, let's just say that you actually did believe that there was no God. And I've talked to people who have really have gone there. And I myself have dove down into that pit just this last summer. I went down into a very dark pit and I took this thought to the nth degree, to where it really brings us. And where this thought brings us in our, in our body is it brings us to despair, utter and total despair. And here's why. If there is no God, there is no love there is no justice. So all the people who think, oh, well, I just believe in justice and I believe in love and I believe in good things, but I don't believe in God. Then you, if you really don't believe in God, you don't believe in any of that stuff because those things don't exist. If God doesn't exist, none of those things exist. Okay. So I don't know how you want to define God. You can define him as the great consciousness. Or you can define him as whatever you want, but how I would define God at this point is that he is the creator of everything that we see. He's the creator. And if some, if there is no um, intelligent design, then there is no meaning. Then what I liken it to is think about ants that are born. They're born, they go through their life cycle, all insects, you know, animals, whatever, go through their life cycle. And then, you know, they, they labor and then they die. They're either prey for other animals or they or whatever, or they get stomped on by someone's foot or squished between a toddler's fingers. Okay? And that's the end of them. And what was their point? So we can go there. That's very despairing. But here's the thing: when I'm tucking my little boys in bed at night, and I think any mother can relate to this, there is no way that I can survive. In, in, with any kind of sanity at all and believe that my children's lives are meaningless and that they are no more than an ant. And if a meteor came and struck us dead and that was the end of our existence, that, that, that their lives meant nothing, that they were nothing, that all of it was for nothing. I don't believe that. And the reason why I don't believe that is because I do know that love exists. I know it exists because I have love for my children. I have love for people. I have compassion. It exists. And it exists because there is a greater intelligence that has brought that into existence. All right. So let's let's, let's take the model, though, with this thought to down, down the rows. Okay, so you've got the thought, which is there is no God, the feeling, which is despair. <clears throat> what does that bring us to as far as the action in our lives? Well, the action really it should be uh, suicide, right? Because if there is no point, then why are we even here? And because there is so much suffering on this earth, then why would we not, why would we want to stick around for that? I don't want to stick around for that. 
Why would we not just do what some people do and shoot their families and shoot themselves? Do you see how this also is abusive? Okay, so people who say that they're going to go from there is a God to there is no God are now going further down the road of abuse. Now, here's the result. The result isn't abuser or victim. You know what the result is of this particular model with, that begins with the thought there is no God? The result is there is no me. If God doesn't exist, I don't exist. If there is no meaning, there is no meaning in me. All right, so that's the result of that. And you can totally have that model. Everyone gets to believe whatever they want to believe. Do you know why? Because there's a God that gives you that choice. Is that not amazing? Which leads us into our fifth model, which is also an option for all of us if we want it, okay? And that is the thought that there is a God, He is loving, and He's also powerful. Now, if we have that thought and that belief, that is going to create a feeling of security and freedom. Security, because we know that we're secure in God's love and, and, and his power to ultimately bring all things into oneness with himself. And freedom, because we know that we are free because his love and can, can hold any of our choices. Okay, so rather than constraining it to God, be, God being limited by our choices, we are what we're actually doing is making God so much bigger when we recognize that He gives us freedom and He actually works within our choices and around our choices. It's like, I don't know if you've seen the Queen's Gambit, but it's like the Queen's Gambit on steroids. Think of the, you know, the gal in that movie. I can't remember her name now, but um, think of. God is being able to play an infinite number of chess games and being all the steps ahead of everybody in all of their choices that they make in all of their chess moves. That's, that would be who God is, okay? That's like a God we can't really comprehend. He's definitely not a God who's loving but not powerful or powerful but not loving or not loving or powerful or non-existent, all right? That's a God that blows our minds, so we now, so now we've got this feeling. Let's just take this model to the down through the process here. We've got this feeling of security and freedom. If we really, really had that feeling of security and freedom, what are we going to do? We are going to take risks. We're going to love unconditionally. We are going to be vulnerable. We are going to have our own personal power that we that is always intact always available to us. We are going to live and embody that personal power. And then we are going to, out of the overflow of our own power and love, which we get from a very powerful and loving God, we are going to love and empower other people. What is the result? We are loving and powerful and we change our world. You guys, this is the power of God. This is the love of God. And when Jesus came into this world, he came as a man to show us how God embodies mankind. God wanted to show us who he actually is. 
He's not the God, he's not the devil God who takes power over other people, who lies, cheats, steals, destroys with power over. He is the God who gives everyone free choice. And he is redeeming this world in that crazy, mind-blowing way. And it just, it defies all human logic because God's not, God's power is so not like man's power. God's love is so not like man's love. So if we want to think about it then in terms of changing the world and all of the suffering in the world, we'd have to look at it from a much bigger perspective than just where we are at with our small, we've, we are given one life to live. And during this life on earth, we can believe any of these five thoughts about God. These are our five choices. Now, maybe there's other choices too. I don't know. You'll have to send me an email or something to let me know if there's another choice. But these are five uh, thoughts that we have available to us. And you can decide what I would do if I was you is I would sit down and I would decide which one, because the out the circumstance is the same. God, that's the circumstance. That's not going to change, okay? But the thought in your brain, you've got power over that thought. And you can decide what result you want in your life. Do you want the first result? Do you want to be power, powerless but loving? Okay, do you want to be a victim? Do you want the second result? Do you want to be powerful but unloving? Do you want to be an abuse abuser? The third result, do you want to be powerless and unloving? Kind of interchanging between victim and abuser. The fourth result, do you want to be annihilated? Or the fifth result, do you want to be loving and powerful and change your world? Those are your options. So we can talk more um, some other time about, actually, we, this is the kind of thing that we dive very deep into in the Flying Higher program, and we also dive into it quite a bit in the Flying Free program. But this is the kind of coaching that I do every week in both of those programs and the kinds of classes that I teach. And so if this intrigues you and you're interested, um, we go with the fifth model, that's the model that I am working on in my own life, that I am trying to live out in my own life, and that I'm trying to empower other women to live out in their lives. And um, if you are interested in working that out in your own life and you want to join us, these groups are closed at the time of the airing of this particular podcast episode, but you can get on the waiting lists for these programs. Flying Higher opens up in the winter and, and the fall. I'm sorry, the spring, the, the winter and the summer. And Flying Free opens up in the, the um, spring and the fall. So if you go, to, if, you're, if you are a, a woman in an, a, you th- and you think you're in an emotionally or spiritually abusive relationship, or you're trying to get out of one, you can get on the waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. Just joinflyingfree.com. Go over there. You can learn about it. There's information over there, and then you can get on the waiting list. And if you're on the waiting list, I'll send you an email when it opens up again. Now, if you're a divorced woman of faith and you want to take your life back, I am all about helping women do that. You can hop into our uh, hop onto the waiting list for that group. It's called Flying Higher by just going to joinflyinghigher.com. And over there on that page, you can find out more about that group and get on the waiting list there. And again, if you're on the waiting list, I'll send you an email and let you know when it opens up again. That is all I have for you today. 
I hope this was helpful. And I hope, I really hope, my hope and prayer for all of us is not that our faith actually flounders and and ends up flat on the ground and a useless appendage that that basically leaves us completely powerless and in a place of not really being able to love others, including ourselves, by the way. I mean, that's a whole nother topic is taking care of yourself and loving yourself, which is our number one responsibility. But rather have a faith that actually deepens and grows and and builds you into a person that is makes tremendous progress in your own personal life and in the lives of every single person that you touch. That is available to you. Your brain might not believe it right now, then I'll believe it for you. And I promise that if you wanna jump into either one of my groups, I will help you get to the place where you can believe it for yourself as well. All right, my friends, fly free.